Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. This podcast is a project of Beyond Healing Media, where we value each person's humanity and what life experiences shaped you to be who you are. We, as the hosts of this podcast, seek to embody these ideas as we explore things like trauma, its impact on the body and mind, and even how it has shaped the way that we are in relationships. Trauma is not the end of our journey. So within this podcast, we will also discuss what it's like to heal, move forward, and grow as a human who's experienced pain. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. It is Jen and I here in the studio today to pick back up after the long break. Yeah, it's been a minute. It has. It has. To pick back up on our Enneagram season. Um, yeah. And just context, I guess. We didn't talk about this before we started recording. <laughs> Maybe we should. I don't know. That's usually the best conversation. Yeah, though. true. But Beyond Trauma is... We haven't been posting as much yeah. on Beyond Trauma. And that is not because we're letting go at all of yeah. the podcast, but it is harder, it feels like, to get time for this one. It is. So that's interesting. I don't know. It, my experience is it feels harder for like all of the podcasts we're doing. There's just that's like true. we have so much happening. But it is, yeah, just like finding the time to get that in. Yeah, because this is the this season I'm so excited about. Um I find myself thinking about it when not in work mode. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting. It's such a good, I don't know, to me, like to hit this perspective around the Enneagram has completely, um, I don't know, just made it more approachable for me and relatable and I'm able to apply it in my relationships. And so I get really excited to talk about it this way too, because I've done read all kinds of books and things that have been very helpful. But yeah, this type of discussion on, feels like I get to learn in yeah, it too. It takes and on so, flesh here. Yes, <laughs> yeah, like it wakes so up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what have you thought about the first couple conversations we've had? I've really enjoyed them. They've been fun. Um, the first one being like a reflection, a ton of my own reflection. Yeah, gut triad. There and then is. the second, I feel like we went into like your partner, my partner, our business yeah. partner. Like yeah. we got to talk about some of the most important people in our lives. Yeah. And now like today we can talk about you. Back to the, <laughs> yeah, back to one of us <laughs> on the hot seat. I, I guess. love it. Yeah. Yes. So today we're talking about the head triad. Yes. Um, there are so many resources out there, um, you know, that talk about the Enneagram, especially now which is interesting, you know, it's just coming into more another round of popularity. Um, but one of the things that I really appreciate about this space on this podcast with like all of this context that we have is understanding why the types are the mm -hmm. way they are, you know, not just describing them or um, knowing, you know, if you're a type this way, how that means you have to be. We view yeah. it the other way, like if you find resonance with a type that's because of a lot of things not necessarily if you're a type you have to be the exact way right. every book would say that you are as that type which is honestly i think how you and i both are great examples of going with what culture prescribes on yeah. the types yeah. and then having to do a lot of work to discover that maybe we were a different way yeah all along but just finding like refuge, I guess, or a lot of success in mm -hmm. the strategies of our previous type, which for both of us is two. Well, I think when you're in that place of strategy of, you know, any strategy, but for us, the two, if you've been necessitated to use that strategy so often and so much, it, it does feel like this is who I am. Yeah. This is my personality. And it's not until you start to peel that layer back and say, I'm so much more than that and how do I function outside of that one strategy that I have found really effective yeah and and explore deeper like who, who am I how is what is my way of being in the world yeah without just that strategy yeah I think it also exemplifies that we you know we talk about the Enneagram as something that really needs to be explored in relationship because mm -hmm. I know for me personally 
I would not have found my true type without relationship. Yeah. Because in my head, which is hilarious because <laughs> I'm the five. head type, yeah. In my head, two made a lot of sense. I could I could use the color wheel of the two, so to speak, to explain a lot of my personality. Yeah. Um, but until I was around other people and particularly my wife, Olivia, who is a true two <laughs> in, in how we've explored different things, like, you know, just so picturesque in terms of the two structure. Um, it really highlighted for me a lot of areas that I could no longer explain mm-hmm. through the lenses of the two. Um, and I think it was similar for you. Yeah. Well, to to say it has to be explored through relationship, that's, to me, it has to be safe, vulnerable, intimate relationship. Yeah, that's a great point. Because I can be a two all day long there's some people who probably only really know me in that way because that's a strategy that is so comfortable to me and Mm -hmm. so safe to me. And so it's not until you're safe enough with a person that can know you in that, on that level to see around certain characteristics or traits that you want to hold close and like maintain. And so I think that experience of like coming into long-term relationship, safe relationship, attuned relationship of people who want to know you um, and recognize you and see you, then you can start to like see some of these things more clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So the head triad. Head triad. Five, six, and seven. Um, last episode, we were kind of talking about the heart triad, two, three, and four. And we're going to do the same thing as we've done with that episode and the gut triad where we we go over um, just some of the basics of each type through these little sayings. I still haven't figured out a good way of like describing what they are, but they're just little sayings that I use to kind of capture the essence mm-hmm. of the type. And then you can see if you resonate with any of what we say about each type or what you've read or heard in other spaces about the type that you kind of identify with you can base yourself in relation to that saying and say that helps explain some of this, but then also these areas are maybe where my subtype comes in, which we'll get into some of that in later episodes of the podcast of this season. Um, But five, six, and seven. Okay. Yeah. How are you feeling about going into the head So excited. So excited. You're like (laughs) screaming (laughs) over there. I think it's of all the triads for me, the most mysterious, which I, I don't know if that like resonates with anyone else, but um, it's often um, I tend to be like a observer and a noticer of like many things. And I think head types are, are the hardest to get to <laughs> like, yeah. in the sensing, like from that gut place, they're totally. the hardest to like feel. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, there's I mean, a lot of mystery. Around that makes it. a lot of sense, especially if your way of going through the world is on your gut, like you're going with your felt sense of an experience, mm-hmm. like intuition, intuitively. Yeah. And the strategies of the head triad are automatically and unconsciously in like just immediately disconnected from the feeling mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It goes first to the head. And if you read, like we've kind of talked about Beatrice Chestnut's work, she talks about that unconscious and automatic split Mm -hmm. from the intellectual or the head content and the feeling content, and then to find refuge in the intellectual or the head content of the experience, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say in that there's like this experience of from a head place, this is what I'm supposed to feel? And that follows or how does, like there's, you said there's like a a disconnection and goes head first. How does it then bring along the feeling or does it? Yeah. I think that's interesting. Just from my perspective, I struggle to even remember the feeling in a sense. Like I have to, I have to consciously go somewhere in my mind to understand the feeling of it. Okay. And if that's the lens that I have on, like when I'm in my therapy situations, this is one of the light bulb moments for me of realizing the five made a lot more sense for me is I have to be able to understand it in my head before I can really connect with the feeling. Mm -hmm. If I don't, 
I'm spending a lot of time trying to understand like, oh, how would that make sense for the person to feel X, Y, and Z? Yeah. And because that's been my strategy throughout my entire life, it's very quick to me. Like I can understand something really fast and get then what feelings are connected to it. Mm-hmm. But the way it ex- the way it makes sense to me is I have to have the computer folder with its subfolders of mm-hmm. what feelings could be comprised in it, or I'm not going to really understand it. Mm-hmm. Like then it just goes into this extra computer folder that says like don't know, so show up with like empathy. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, like, safe number two. Yeah, just like <laughs> you know, and we'll employ some more fact gathering strategies <laughs> in that in that folder to to catch up. But in the meantime, you should just be like open and and curious. Um, you know, let them own their feelings, validate that, mm-hmm. and kind of circle back around for some more information. Um, yeah, but to answer your question of like, where does the feeling come back around? I think each of the, each of the types in the head triad, again, five, six, and seven, and even within those types are going to have a different relationship to feeling. And I think that's a part of where the mystery, because Mm -hmm. you're not the only one that talks like that about the head triad. I think that's where a lot of the mystery, uh, comes into understanding the head triad is like, when, if ever, do you connect back with the feeling? Mm-hmm. Because I'm thinking of relationships in my life and clients I've had as well with head types. The feeling is often, I don't know, but here's what I think. And trying to use that head energy to get down to yeah. the feeling some way. Yeah. Feeling first feels chaotic in a lot of ways. Like they're unpredictable. You don't really know mm-hmm. what the feelings are going to be. So it's best just to grain of salt it with the feelings and stick with the logic because that will then help you go back to the feelings in a more concise and, you know, predictable way, Mm -hmm. which predictability is a big theme. But the head type. Want to understand that. Or in the case of the seven, have no real um, desire for predictability and almost just say like, I just want to be, Yeah. this is just how it's going to go. And we can get into some more of that, but that's really the, I think the, background of the head type around what feelings are it, it's second to thought mm-hmm. in some way even if it's not a like heady or intellectual person not talking that way but just like going through the thought process first before connecting with the feeling mm-hmm. yeah it makes sense yeah so you just want to dive in yeah let's go do you want to go st- i forget how we did it on the previous episodes did we say all of the th- phrases first or did no, we you went you one at a time them because i okay. don't even know what oh, they yes, are that's right you reveal them one at a time that's as right. we go through. okay well let's start with the seven so i'm no. anxiously <laughs> anticipating what are they <laughs> okay so uh for the five we'll just go in order um the fives phrase is i think Okay. I think. That fits. That's right. Yeah, I think you'll say they all fit, I hope. But the the fives phrase of I think kind of captures that first gut level impression and reaction to the moment is to kind of separate from and reflect on. So Mm -hmm. if you ask a five, what are you feeling? Or, you know, what do you make of this? Or what do you, whatever. I think... X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And it will take some time. Again, not not with everybody. There's obviously fives who have learned throughout their life to go feeling first, but it's still from a heady place. But they'll describe a very articulated feeling before they jump into raw experience of emotion. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, where the five came from is often through early experiences of either being overwhelmed by emotion or by people or their world, just like intruding on them, or a like severe um, absence of connection. Mm-hmm. And that place kind of creates this opportunity for somebody who has an inclination towards the five strategy to retreat away from and just live in their head or in the world of ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you think of the fives, I think? Well, Corey, have... what do you feel? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what do you, what's your gut say? I don't know how to ask you a question. <laughs> uh, no, doing all of this, I think when you give these phrases, it's so fascinating. Even when I asked you the question earlier of like, 
Does a, a head type then say, what am I supposed to? That's so unlike to say. Like, right, that's as true. If there's a supposed to, that's and right. say, what do you think? Like, yeah. It's so fascinating to start to look at like, how often am I, are we actually like seeing the world and engaging with the world with that perspective or that lens? I think that's actually where I would say, unless there's a circumstance which points out that another response is desired, you will go with yeah, the default. your gut, mm-hmm. background, default, you know, yeah. response. Like you're going with like, what is the, I forget even how you said it, your way of asking the question of like, how did you say it? I, well, I said something about supposed to, I know, because yeah, that's yeah. like a phrase. That's I'm great. like, there's yes. no right or wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a coach. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's this part trying. is just saying like, hey, <laughs> watch it. One, Don't say okay? that. You'll Don't be found out. To say that. Somebody will find you. <laughs> yeah so the yeah what do you what's supposed to happen i love that and the two three and four i think obviously would go with like what the feeling is or what's the i think there's also some supposed to in that too i would imagine like what's the what's going to get the feeling mm-hmm. that needs mm-hmm. to be in this space to connect us all or whatever yeah yeah um so you were saying you're you're processing through like how often are we just default response yes. to our environment? Yes. And then when you bring it into awareness, you're starting to like catch and respond to like, oh, this comes in without even thinking about it. Yeah. So to come into that, hearing you ask the question, what do you think about this head yeah. type? I think is interesting. But I, I'm curious for you in your discovery of a five, of identifying more with a five. Yeah. Like that's been, it seems like getting to know you, like that's been a part of who you've been even years and years ago. Yeah. But there was a long period of time of like really identifying with a type two. Yeah. How is that from a five's perspective Yeah. to like go through that process? Yeah. We did this with your type with a one as well, where we went a little bit deeper into that type than yeah. we did eight or nine. And I, I like that because I think one of the unfortunate characteristics of Enneagram culture is speaking with absolute awareness right. about each type which you don't have yeah. like you, you can speak to your own but there's so much nuance to each type so i'll kind of own this as just my journey for the five um it's that origin story of the five that really helped me see that i of course i went with the two because it's to me again you have to have that conceptualization of the computer file otherwise i don't know Mm -hmm. how to explain it but it is the most socially acceptable way for me to survive Mm -hmm. is how i felt Mm -hmm. like if you meet other people's needs before they even become aware of their needs that gives me an opportunity to do what i need to do which is protect the energy that I have for the day and understand that other people won't understand me if I Mm -hmm. actually put my true self out there. So let me just cloud the room with my helpfulness and all of these things that I've made possible by just being a part of this thing so that no one actually asks a deeper question because I don't know how to respond if you're actually asking me who I am because my world prior to this has never really been open to that, or I've decided through various experiences that the world isn't going to be open to my authentic Mm -hmm. self. So it's just better if I go with the most socially acceptable and pleasing strategy, which looked a lot like a two. And then I could explain a lot of, well, you have these wings, and I do have a lot of perfectionism in me. So yeah, the one kind of makes sense. I can see that in there. But I never really understood right and wrong. Like, I don't believe in that. (laughs) So automatically there was some like, well, I can explain a little bit of myself through the wing of the one, but I also believe in a gray world, not a black and white world. So that's interesting. I'll go back into the center of the two. And then especially in my early life and even where I am now in my career, I could explain a lot through the wing of the three, Mm -hmm. the achiever. Like, oh, that makes sense too, because I can understand where I get this drive to do all of these things and be the first and the youngest and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also didn't want the recognition 
of the three. So there was that part that didn't make sense to me either. Like, I don't want anybody to talk about those things. It was just the way I could explain myself through what I thought was my native type in the two and my wings. But then there was this whole world that I really struggled to explain through the two, which is my intellectual and daydreamy headspace. Mm -hmm. Like how insistent and automatic my mind is in understanding. Like, I remember just really having a hard time understanding that. Mm -hmm. Um, And anybody else I would talk to about the Enneagram, you know, there was just kind of shoulder shrugs. (laughs) Like I couldn't understand. In my experience of you too, that space was kept quite like close to you. Like that was a a protected way of being that you didn't just like share and show to the whole world. It was like a disguised Mm. because I don't know how acceptable it would have been like not necessarily just fully rejecting but the fear of like can i be in this really headspace and still be what i need to be as a two as a therapist as a helper yeah or is that somehow i remember some conversations where you're like like is like i know these things i'm saying could be hard to hear like (laughs) (laughs) but just that like idea of when we find a strategy like a two and then we build a life path around it, a career yeah. and... Which is based like solely on perception. Yes. Yeah. And and to be in that spot and then know there's this whole other part of who I am, this whole other existence that's a huge piece of me, but just kind of stays in my alone time. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not that in front of a lot of people really often. Yeah. It's more of like an internal experience. Yeah. And it was really interesting as well just in my personal life of, you know, playing music for so long, like doing shows and being on stage. I remember always having a weird relationship with that because I didn't want to connect with people, like even Mm -hmm. after shows and stuff, you know, if you're thinking of like how a music concert or festival or show goes, you're supposed to, like the archetype that's set out is you're supposed to be the entertainer not only when you're on the stage, but you're the personality for the night. So at the merge table, like at the bar, at Mm -hmm. whatever, your people want to connect with you because they just saw you do this thing. And so they're curious and Mm -hmm. want to grab you. I always hated that so much. Mm -hmm. And I relied on my bandmates to kind of take the like, you know, I don't know, be the mediator, I guess. Uh-huh. Like I busied myself with cable management and sound tech and like all, all this of this stuff. All sounds really familiar right Yes, there. it does. <laughs> I busied myself with all of that and then like running the merge stuff. I'd love to talk to them about what was on the record or where the shirt yeah. design came from or all this stuff. But I did not, like, I cannot tell you how <laughs> skin crawly it would make me feel to just get in like a, a, a room full of individual conversations happening mm-hmm. about me. Mm-hmm. Or about them. It was just exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like I would I would hate that so much. So I just learned, oh, run your own sound yeah. and you won't have to ever deal with anybody because you'll be just, busy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you wrapped a cable once, you could always like unravel it and like wrap it again <laughs> so that you don't have to interact with anyone. I'm gonna be watching for these things at training. This is now. what you can't do. And <laughs> I won't. Don't do That's, that. No, I I'm being vulnerable with you. Yes, (laughs) and it's so, like, it's so beautiful to see that awareness and ability to be, like, like, notice your experience in that way and to have it explained through something like the Enneagram. Yeah. Um, I just can't emphasize enough how powerful that feels to, like, you could have had that experience and did for years and said, I don't, like, where does this fit? What is all of this? I feel like a bad, too. Yeah, we can create our own stories Mm -hmm. around it of this is... Like I'm failing at this or I'm like, there's something wrong with it. Yeah. But then to come into like an actual understanding and say like, no, that's, that's who I am. And that that's okay to be that. Of course it's okay. You know, it just feels absurd when you look at it through the lens of the two. Cause like, I don't know. (laughs) Can't explain that. Yeah. Yeah. And then especially the other area. So there's the social awkwardness and discomfort with being constantly overwhelmed Mm -hmm. or this belief that other people want way more from me than I can possibly give. Yeah. Um, There's that element that was really hard to explain through the lens of the two. So I often just like shied away from it. 
any conversation around that or whatever. And then there's the other big area of how much information means to me. Mm-hmm. Could never explain that <laughs> through the lens of the two. I always yeah. had a hard time with it. So I just thought of myself as like a weird nerdy version of a two, mm-hmm. like introverted nerdy version of a two. It's kind of how I would explain it. And um, I remember very well my first, the first university class that I had as a professor. Um, a couple of the students were really into the Enneagram. And I was listening to them talk, which this is again hilarious, looking at it through the lens of the five, because I'm, if I'm doing something in a space and I know that we're supposed to be doing something else, I'm kind of like hanging out on the side, but I'm very intently uh-huh. listening to stuff. And so they're kind of talking about it. And I was like, well, that'll be interesting. And I'm thinking through like the different ways we could make the learning environment reflect some of these more personal themes that this class was talking about. And one of them just kind of straight up asked me what my Enneagram type was. And I kind of just like turned it over to them, just wanting them to kind of go through it. And they typed me as a five, like cold. Really? Yeah. And I was just like, why would you say that? And he said, well, you just seem kind of like removed and also thoughtful, but you're much more interested in the ideas that we're getting ready to experience Mm -hmm. rather than anything else. They had no idea that I was a two. And so when I shared that, they were like, what? And so I had to explain, again, my my narrative or rationalization as a two. And I convinced them. (laughs) Like that was the way that I would have to understand myself as a two is if I could make it make sense to me, I know I can make it make sense Mm -hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. And so I could explain and fit myself into the image of the two. Why do you think, what was your story around why you weren't a five? I think I spent less time, to me, that's a losing argument. If I'm having to explain to you why I'm not a five, okay, I'm going to make myself into a five. So instead, <laughs> okay. I'll tell you why I'm the two, okay. <laughs> like is the way okay. that I would go. Like, I don't really know. You can say whatever you want about the five, but for me this is why the two makes sense. It's kind of how I would go through it. And I think that stopped the conversation, but I would bet still left a lot of them, you know, yeah, thinking about the five for me. It makes me like, as you were in your pursuit to say, there's all these gaps that the two doesn't explain. How did you end up landing or why did you never end up landing on the five in that like intellectual yeah. place? I had a, well, here's, I have a very direct answer to that. I had two friends when uh, this is something I'm not, I don't know, who, hmm. like a Rolodex of time in my <laughs> mind right now. Um, I'll just keep it kind of general. I had two very good friends earlier on in, in my life that were what I grabbed onto when I first learned about the Enneagram as quintessential fives. Okay. And I always felt different from them, which this is again, Part of the five, if you read any more about it or listen to other people, fives have a hard time resonating with each other. It's just something interesting about mm-hmm. fives, like a lot of dissonance more frequently in many cases than other types okay. that it just feels different. And I think it's because of how specific we can be in our thoughts. It's like, well, you don't think exactly like I do. So I don't know if we're the same. Okay. It just kind of comes like, yeah. probably not. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, uh, I don't know if that makes sense. But um, for me, I knew that I was different from them because I wasn't, I am a very reserved person. But the two friends of mine that were, again, quintessential fives were really stoic, Mm. very, very removed and would feel pretty hurt and react with anger if they had their boundaries disrespected or crossed. That's another thing you'll hear about fives is very firm boundary setters. But again, because I had the conception of myself as a two, I think the the Jedi level, I think I learned to set my boundaries implicitly, not explicitly articulate them Mm -hmm. and keep everything low distress, low tension, low pressure, because that was what felt the most protective of the limited energy that Mm -hmm. I had for the day. Mm-hmm. And I still deeply resonate with yeah. that to this day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Text messages and emails are a great example for me where it's so hard for me to f- get the flood of emails and texts that I get. It feels like 
suffocating mm -hmm. in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to explain to yeah. people. It's like, well, I need to get a hold of you. I get that. Right. For sure. It's just hard. <laughs> it's just it really, costs really hard. a lot yes. to your system. Yes, because it's just everything goes in a million directions, it feels yeah. like, and it's really hard for me to feel like I'm giving my attention justice to the person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I want to just highlight from all of this processing is I feel like we often get into this spot with the Enneagram of if this is my type, I have access to the wings and I have access to like, what is my growth path and my yeah. stress path. But this feeling of like, there's not a two anywhere associated with five right. directly. Right. We can borrow the strategies of any of mm -hmm. the types, like their learned strategies for yeah. survival throughout our development and to say somewhere in my path, I found this, if I can take care of people, if I can, you know, be in this really like two like energy, it works really well mm -hmm. for me to do what I need to do for my five nature. Yes. Like it helps me get the needs met as a five and we can borrow this. And I think that makes it difficult to say what is my type because I might relate yeah. to different aspects of different ones, depending on the people I'm interacting with the phase of life that I'm in, the career path I'm in, yeah. like it can I, bring out that. I feel like if, if, and this is again going deeper into the five than we will with the six or seven, I'm sorry, sixes and sevens out there, but you know, the five and two have one really powerful thing in common, which is needlessness. Mm. They both dissociate from their actual needs in different ways, but that is one of the hallmarks of the two five relationship. And you'll see a lot of twos and fives get together and as partners yeah. or as good friends. And that's again, because they collude in that needlessness to others for different reasons. The five feels already used up and the two feels not used enough. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's that tension, but the, which is again, Olivia's a two. So there's that <laughs> <laughs> we can read into that if we want, but the, that's where, again, I think the strategies and the, the facade of the two made a lot of sense to me because I could always grab onto that as sort of my like linchpin mm -hmm. argument of I don't want anyone to know that I have needs. Mm -hmm. It's just like way easier for me. I don't want you to know when my birthday is. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I don't want to talk about what needs I have. Don't ask me to get anything like, you know, yeah. just don't do that. And for me, that's because, again, if we're digging deep into the five, for me, I had a combination of those two elements in the origin story. I had an unpredictable, overwhelming environment and completely isolating environment early on. And that, to me, just made dependence on myself or self-reliance feel like the only strategy. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard if you let people take care of you this is, again, early rationalization for me. It's really hard if you let people take care of you because then you're going to stop taking care of yourself. And when that person leaves, not if, but when that person leaves, what are you going to be? Right. You're going to tip over. Like you're mm -hmm. going to have a need that you didn't know was being met by somebody else and go into a season of suffering. Yeah. It's going to be hard for you. So just don't let them know. And one of the great ways to do that is to be about meeting their needs. Mm. What a deflection. Victory. You'll yeah. never be the center of attention because they're too busy realizing all of the needs that you're meeting for them. Mm -hmm. They can't ask you of anything. Yeah. Yeah. And for it to play like the interaction in that to be the same, but the motivation behind it to be so different from a yeah. two. Yes. Yes. And that's, again, one of the realizations where the two didn't make a lot of sense and I was confronted with it unrelentingly in my relationship with Olivia because I don't ever really want to be noticed for what I do. Yeah. Um, you know, and one of the things that's helped Olivia make sense of it, I think is a comment I made about, I want to help set up this space for connection to happen in, and then I want to be done. And I want it, I do truly want it to be perfect. Mm -hmm. I want the space to have everything you could ever think of that you would want, or maybe things that you're just like, whoa, that was way more than I actually needed. Mm -hmm. It's like, great, 
you're not going to talk to me about it. <laughs> like that's that's perfect. It has everything you're going to need. It's all lined out for you. It's all explained, and don't even worry about it. Mm-hmm. It's just way easier for me to be in that space than actually have to participate in it. Yeah. Because then I'm constantly worried about is there more that I could be doing mm. to like take the attention off of me. Yeah. Even if it's not on me, it's just a worry that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then people like see you and recognize you and oh, it's the worst. all of those things. Yeah, it's the worst. It's yeah. fine and beyond because I have a pretty clear, I have a pretty clear agenda and I don't think people are upset that I don't go past that. Yeah. Like I'm just here to talk about this thing. I have a very clear understanding of what I'm here to do and talk about and say. Yeah. So it's, it's way easier than being in a, space like just a public space yeah that's really hard for me unless you throw in like christmas parties and like camping events and those are the worst <laughs> like i'm so glad you guys love those i love camping by myself <laughs> like and i love like just a small group of friends going out maybe <laughs> unless it's in like june i don't want to it's hot it's like what yeah but even if it's like our work parties it's not that i don't want to hang out with those people but it totally messes up the whole, like, oh. when you said it's okay there because there's context around it. Like, there's an identified focus for me and what my role is. Yeah. What do you remove that from the work setting and say, like, let's go camping together? And it's just like, messes it all talk. up. Talk. <laughs> Man. It's just, and I don't know. It's not, this is another fear I have of being misrepresented as a five. Like, it's not that I don't want to connect with people. It's just that I don't have the energy for it I don't Mm -hmm. know like to have that deeper relationship with so many people or to be in this really unpredictable space where anybody could ask anything or expect anything or want to know anything about you yeah that just feels overwhelming I feel like my experience of you is you want deep connection like so 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 deep that it has to be preserved yeah for a very few people yeah and outside of that, absolutely no energy because it's like it goes so deep mm-hmm. with those few people. You don't yeah. have a bunch of like shallow relationships. You have very few, few, but they're very, very deep. Really deep relationships. Yeah. And that's, that's again, where five makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And that's what you'll, if you read about the five, you'll Let's hear that's how, you, that's how it goes. Like, mm-hmm. And for me, that, that just gives a lot of comfort. I will say a lot of the strengths and benefits that I've found in using the five to understand myself have been innumerable. Hmm. It's just so much more spot on for me, even just in my concept of self, Um, you know, and I don't know if you listened to that song that I sent you. Like 25 times. I love it. Okay, cool. And I especially love that you love it. Yeah. Do you hear a lot of like the, of myself in it? Because that song. I think. That's why I love it so much. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such a, a song of transformation and just like owning and yeah. it's so special. Yeah, yes, yes. So to me, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I think, that's in the I fives. Think. Yes. So six. Six, what's okay. What's the word there? The phrase for sixes is, is you think. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you remember to the two, it was you need. Yeah. So very similar. And you'll see sixes and twos get into this a lot. And often they confuse themselves for one another. Okay. Am I a six or am I a two? Am I a two or am I a six? Um, it's just a lot of shared um, outward behavior, but again, with very different motives. The six in you need, or you think, you and I just did it there. <laughs> the sixes in you think, it's still a world of information swirling around them that you think gives them the most information to make the most educated commitment of their extreme devotion and loyalty. Okay. Sixes are often called the loyalist because they need to find their true north. They need mm-hmm. to find their one place that if all else fails, at least I know I have this one thing or this one person. So you'll see them often have very close connections with a few people and then a lot of connections with people, but they're not very deep. Um, that's again where the six finds refuge is I have my, my basic needs met in my, my devotion 
commitments, mm -hmm. like to spouse or to religion or to politics or to like their true understanding of this makes the most sense to me. And then all the feelings are free to roam. But if I don't have those points of true con conviction yeah. and identity, then feelings feel chaotic and like way too much. So mm -hmm. I just need to like shove that down and just try and find <laughs> my, my true north. And fear, I don't think we talked about, I think in the other triads we talked okay, about, yeah. but fear is with the head types. Fear is with the head types, yeah. Yes. So yeah, just to go back on the five, afraid of overwhelm, uh, lack of energy, uh, incompetence, mm -hmm. like I don't know the right answer, a lot of those fears. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with this type six, I think of fear a lot when I think of type yeah. six and that they are the I need to find my true type. north. Mm -hmm. And anything that clouds my vision and like path to that is just creates a ton of fear. Yeah. And that's to me that that makes a lot of sense for the loyalty as the mm -hmm. way of mitigating that. Like if I have my true north, I don't have to look at the things I'm afraid of as intensely as if it was all just on me. Yeah. There's a lot of that um, insecurity, inferiority, uh, imposter identity in the six and wanting to mitigate that through dependence on the other. Or again, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a person. It can be uh, ideology, a spirituality. And often you'll see really strong commitments in all three of those areas mm -hmm. for sixes. That's when they feel really supported and can go out then and be really excellent um, partners and, mm. and friends. Because of that loyalist. Yeah. And yeah. that already having their needs met in those areas, in their most intimate needs, they can then go out and start spreading some really beautiful energy to people. So when those needs aren't met, then they don't yeah. feel like they have that it's chaos. anchor point. Yeah. Everything feels that much scarier. Yeah. And that's, you know, I have some friends that are sixes, um, and I'm thinking of two females right now in my uh, friend group that are sixes. And when, when their relationships, when there's anything going on with their relationships, it's a really stressful time. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, I knew them before they were married. And in those dating relationships that they were in, I can remember having so many deep connection, like conversations with them because their their whole world feels out of spin mm -hmm. because something's up here. And I remember with one friend, they were having troubles with their relationship and they were deconstructing their faith at the same time. And they would like break out in hives and like have a really hard time eating anything. I mean, it was a mm -hmm. really difficult time for them. And after the fact, now married and with children, they can look back on that time and understand why it was so hard because they had no anger. Mm. They had nothing yeah. grounding them. And that means that the information gathering expertise of the head triad is filled with more threat than safety. Mm -hmm. And so it just feels unbearable. Yeah. Without like roots somewhere, without some type of anchor yeah. just to be spinning around in all the chaos and yes. the fear. Yes. You gotta yeah. blow away in the wind. Yeah. It's like that's the feeling that's giving me. Yeah. And we got so caught up in the story of me as a five. We also forgot to mention the hit or the stress and growth paths mm, of the five. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> but it makes sense uh, when you look at it. So fives of stress. It does five. Yes. <laughs> it has to. Yeah. If I'm leading this conversation, this is gonna be yeah. Really tough. But <laughs> fives uh, stress to seven and grow to eight. Uh, one of the tough things with um, both fives and fours, which I don't know if we will, it feels like another episode to get into the relationship between fives and fours and that chasm that mm. exists between them at the bottom of the Enneagram. If you read, if you get deep into the Enneagram like world, you'll hear people talk about that as the chasm of despair. Mm. Um, because it's, again, it, if you look at the Enneagram symbol, everywhere else is well protected, but the the space between the five yeah. and four is just bottomless pit. Yeah. And this is fives and fours are some of the most, you know, from a like folklore perspective of the Enneagram, like the most deep, mysterious, kind of like weird people on the Enneagram because of, again, what's attributed in Enneagram culture is that chasm. Like it's yeah. just a bottomless pit. Um, and I do resonate with that quite a bit. Like 
how dark it feels to me sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's not unsafe. Mm -hmm. It just feels like a reality for me. Mm -hmm. And melancholy has been my favorite emotion all my life. Like it just feels good <laughs> to be. I've like, heard you say that before. Like Eeyore. Yeah. Uh, Eeyore is my favorite. And that to me is, I don't know, I just like understand that mm -hmm. at my core. And for fives to stress to seven, you get that. Um, oh, what I was saying about the fives and fours is they both stress to their, their triad still. So they have very limited resources. The four mm -hmm. stresses to the two, so they're still consumed by shame. The five stresses to the seven, so still consumed by fear mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, they don't have those resources outside their triad like other types do. Yeah. Um, every other type will stress to the other triad in some way. Um, and that makes them resourced and able right, to... they have more to access. Yeah, find so much more strength um, and difference of strategy. For yourself, you stress to the four. Mm -hmm. And so you have a different level of connection possible to you. But for fives and fours, we stress to our own triad. So we can talk a lot more about that. But um, in for me, I know the stress to the seven flight of ideas uh, is one of my favorite ways to stress out. <laughs> um, all of the things that could go wrong. I think about that a lot. And yeah, just and that feels like a seven quality. Well, it to me it just represents what my mind can do when tapping into the energy of the seven. Okay. <laughs> like it just gets spun up. Um, but if going to the seven, I mean, the stress of the seven is to one, and so there is yeah. that um, self-critical nature, mm -hmm. also critical of others, worried about things, but in a in a way that. I think takes them out of their ability to just be free with ideas, like starting to think I have bad ideas. That's really stressful mm. for me. Um, yeah, when that resource stream is cut off, when I start to think, man, maybe I'm not on my game oh. in my head. It's like really scary. Yeah. Yeah. When that's, that is your place filled with all your resources to yeah. say like, that may not have what I need. Yeah, and maybe it's not going to work. Yeah. That feels paralyzing mm -hmm. when I can't mm -hmm. understand the world around me. Uh, but when we grow, we grow to eight, which means we can move into that warm shelter for others able to be in one place at one time, mm -hmm. very grounded, um, thinking and feeling and sensing all in unison. So together, much more integrated. And to me, those are really well exemplified in like my relationship with my wife and how I feel about our home mm -hmm. feels very to me, you know, as an example of what it looks like for me to grow into some of the eight characteristics, yeah. just protecting and loving and being free and open hearted at mm -hmm. home. That feels really good. Yeah. So with the type six, that's, they stress to a three yeah. and grow to a nine. Yeah. And that's beautiful transformation uh, for the six. And my friends that I was talking about, those are great examples. Both of them are in very good places right now where nine makes a lot of sense um, in the way they can recognize that there are, are things that they worry about and that they're afraid of, but that also it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because even if all goes bad, you know, we've got each other yeah. and that's a good thing. And we can just be thankful for that and let life come at it, come at us as it does. Be a big that. step for a six. Yeah. <laughs> but when they stress and they go to three, that's a big problem because now they're starting to question whether or not they're good enough for the relationships mm -hmm. that they're in. Um, you know, that shame of the three can start to come in and, and fill them with even more fear. Again, taking away any cues of safety and protection in their yeah. life. And now they just see, I'm not okay because X, Y, and Z are wrong in my world. Uh, everybody else feels far away from me. I don't feel secure in any of my relationships. And now the shame monster of the three is starting to knock on the door saying, it's your fault. Mm -hmm. And that's like... Then this process of how, how do I need to morph and change yeah. in some way to be yep. what I can in there. You see a lot of big, like drastic choices. Mm -hmm. And I think also there's a compulsion 
this is where you need to be really worried about our six friends when they pull away mm-hmm. from everybody because that's where in my perspective some of the six's worst nightmares can be hmm. i'm co- totally alone in this intolerable fear and chaos and shame and it's my shame. fault it's my fault it's a dark space yes yes need to love on some six friends mm-hmm. <laughs> if they're there um, through their insistence that they don't need anything. It's again <sighs> tough. Yeah. Okay, so seven. Sevens. All right, so the fives was I think, mm-hmm. sixes is you think, sevens, let's go. Oh, yeah. that fits so perfectly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's go. Um, which I love that because on the surface for a lot of sevens, I think it's hard to connect with them as a head type until you really start to look deeper. Sevens are, again, the caricature of the seven is like the adventurous, the one who goes out and climbs mountains and mm-hmm. free falls and <laughs> goes diving and like has all these insane things. But Again, they are very much still a part of the head triad in their core compulsions of information gathering. The way they respond to it, though, is very different. So I like the let's go. Yeah. Because it's like, all right, let's go. Still acting with a lot of, uh, again, confidence in the way they're making sense of their world around them. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. Here's all of the things I know about this situation. Here's the path that's going to lead to the least amount of stress, the least amount of pain. This is going to be the best use of our time. So let's go. Mm-hmm. What are we standing around for? The the time and the moment could pass us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of that stress um, as well. But for the sevens, they stress to one and they grow to five. Um, I had a good friend of mine as a seven who was let down by a really close friend of theirs. And it really like crumbled their world. Mm-hmm. Um, this friend of theirs had an affair and they didn't know that about them. Like their whole secret life came out and the seven, I mean, who prior to this was like a ball of the sun, like just like a beaming, like orange is my favorite color, maybe yellow, but definitely orange. Like I love this and I'll wear shorts 365 days a year, even though we live in Missouri, because like life is just crazy. Like might as well just do that. (laughs) Yeah. And like let's drink coffee at like three in the morning um, when we've been up all night and just crazy and super brilliant, very dedicated med school student. like was just super involved in a lot of things. And when this happened, their closest friend, revealed all of this hidden identity mm-hmm. they like changed overnight Gosh. like they pulled away from things they stopped um yeah they, they stopped engaging in a lot of their schoolwork. they started coping with a lot of dangerous things um and sevens you'll if you listen to anything on the enneagram elsewhere you'll hear are the most likely for addictions mm-hmm. and different things like that because that desire to run away from pain is so strong. Um, And the fear of pain, the fear of negativity of feelings is so strong that they'll go really, really far into strategies to mitigate that. Hmm. Yeah. But when they grow into five, you see a lot of that energy and drive and power get pointed into one specific place. And so you'll see really great leaders um, managers, different people at the head of organizations that are sevens. They, sevens make great leaders because they can move all of that energy and that woo mentality into one specific goal. And so they can be really powerful um, community organizers and things it's like, like that. It's like it adds a level of focus, intention, and meaning to the boom of the big energy yeah. the yeah yep. the excitement of the seven and yep. it narrows it in yeah and sevens are you'll see this with the one the four and the seven as you work your way around the enneagram clockwise these are sort of the um these are the movers of their triad so ones fours and sevens all use that energy of gut heart and head but they do it in uh, mm. kind of an external way you know one's moving into that right wrong conviction mm-hmm. where it's not because i'm right it just is like it, it makes the core compulsion of that triad into an art form 
And I think fours do that really well with the shame, like it is in me, but I'm also going to work my whole life to try and <laughs> play my way out of this or, or shapeshift my way out of this. <laughs> Sevens feel the fear, but they deny it. Like they say, no, I'm not, I don't have, I'm not afraid. Yeah, I'll go jump off. Yeah, watch this. Like I'll <laughs> yeah. go crazy. I'll become a, <laughs> yeah. Like I had a seven friend who was a, a EMT and like, no, I'm, I'm fine. And I'm so fine. I'm going to go help all these people in chaos. Yeah. My favorite thing, going to a flipped over vehicle. Like that's just the best because you get like, you have so much focus, you have so much need and you have so much importance based on your ability to like throttle the fear. Yeah. Wow. That describes the seven so well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important for you to master your, you know, master your fear yeah. in that way, which again is just funny for the seven like, of course mm -hmm. you would think that way like right. you're really afraid right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because you're using it i guess mm -hmm. but yeah for sevens i think the the transformation process is really beautiful in their move to five you can also really just again grow deep roots in a community not have to travel the world to feel okay about themselves mm -hmm. but just be with who they are with yeah. bringing that positivity and humility and softness to their world around them. Sevens are fascinating to me. Really, really are. It's, I feel like of the types, there's such an attraction to sevens and like that energy of... It would be for you as a one. Okay, maybe that's true. That's <laughs> <laughs> your growth path. You look up to that the seven a lot. Seven. That, that makes seven. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I've had a lot of good friends that are sevens. And I think that's another relationship that like one of my friends who was the med student um, always wanted to talk to me about what I was listening to or reading or mm -hmm. whatever. He's just, yeah, man, like tell me about that. Like would get yeah. super intense about the things that I was working on and wanted to know, would ask great questions mm -hmm. deeper than anybody else wanted to understand the, like the scrupulous details of statistics and <laughs> different elements of research methodology. And so, Interesting. Yeah. We all look up to our growth path. My father-in-law is one of my heroes. He's an eight. Yeah. It's incredible. That's a, that's a new perspective for me of like exploring who you feel attracted to be around. Yeah. Like, like I enjoy the presence of these, this type of person and maybe even the opposite. Yeah. Who do I feel really uncomfortable being around or seeing their vulnerability like creates, yeah. makes my skin crawl. Yep. So to be able to look at that and say, what could that actually show me about myself rather yeah. than that being something about them? Well, and that goes into one of the um, the dimensions of the Enneagram that I learned from Richard Rohr, which is that we were, you know, he talks about the spiritual essence of the Enneagram as we were meant to be our growth path, but the world showed us that that wasn't going to cut it. So we defaulted to our core type. So for you, you were supposed to be, quote unquote, a seven, <laughs> but you encountered all kinds of things early on, mm -hmm. threat, danger, unpredictability, fear, and chose that, okay, one is going to be better. Because at least spot. I know the right way mm -hmm. and I can be on the right side of that thing. And for me, eight was going to be the way, but it was too overwhelming and too unpredictable. So I defaulted to the reserve of the five. <laughs> yeah. We should come back to this point yeah. with more episodes because I, I like where we're at. Yeah, I love it. So the plan, that was the brief overview of all of the types. Yeah, there's so much more. So much more. So I, we're going to start getting some interviews with some of these types and work our way around the Enneagram. And I'm sure that'll also inspire some deeper conversation on things that we learn. Yeah. But uh, yeah, any closing remarks? I just feel so excited to be on this journey of this season and excited for all the listeners that are on it with us yeah and would love any kind of interaction that we can get so yep. feedback comments emails whatever yeah. like i this feels like such a personal space to be in yeah that a part of me is just craving like i want to like know who we're talking what are you to making of this? Yeah. this and what are you thinking yeah oh yeah and again these are just i really want to hone in on from a one and a five, yep. this is what we're making of it right now. Yeah. Um, you know, For others, it may come across totally different and that's great. Like that's a part of the Enneagram where I hope we get to connect and 
talk about the different sides. This is again Richard Rohr, but the different sides of the diamond mm. that we have perspective on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I have to look through the diamond to see your perspective and you get to look at it in a totally different yeah. way. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, very cool. Well, until next time. Safe travels. <laughs> we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will aid you in your healing journey. If you are feeling inspired by something that you heard today and desire to seek out your own therapy, we would encourage you to do so and would be honored to support you in finding a therapist that is the right fit for you. You can contact us by emailing therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes, leave us a review, and follow us on social media by searching Beyond Trauma Podcast. Mm -hmm.